Welcome to Leveling Up the Podcast with Alethea Tucker. I'm so happy that you're listening today. My goal is to bring something new, something promising. I plan to bring conversation, resources, and wisdom around the things that are holding us back from going for our best. We'll talk about everyday life and careers. I'll bring us dialogue designed to dig deep and identify our passions. We'll talk about the limits that you need to let go of and the promise that you need to grab a hold of. I'll interview women who bring valuable insight to the table. We'll have opportunities for Q&A and we'll talk resources to help along the way. There are levels to this and we'll hit them all starting at the ground floor. We all have dreams and now is our time to level up. Ground Floor It's been said that God has never created a failure. The fact that you were born means that you're here to succeed. I know that may not always look like it's true, I mean, what are you to do as you journey through life and you're impacted by situation after situation that seems determined to cloud your vision and make you think you can't go one more day? I understand. I've dealt with impact too. And what you do is you square your shoulders, you sit back and remember your design and you say, I'm born to succeed. I know those seem like words only, but it is so true. Now, situations will continue to come from one side to another. Things will hit you and make an indelible imprint on your life. The death of a loved one, hospitalization after hospitalization, bills that are far taller then your bank account can accommodate. What is one to do? What are you to say? You can make it. Remember, success is in your DNA. Judge Heard, thank you so much for being with us today. I truly know that when we're talking about reinvention and that entire process, I know that you have a lot of information that you can really weigh in on, on this topic. So I greatly appreciate you doing this interview with me today. Certainly, I'm honored to be here and have the opportunity to share. 
Awesome. Awesome. So let's start right out. I read from your bio already prior to starting our interview, but can you tell us a little about yourself and, and what you're currently doing? Well, I practiced law for 40 years. Um, the first 17, I was a litigator for most of that time, um, either as a prosecutor, which was the bulk of my career, um, spending a, a small amount of time doing uh, civil defense work and criminal defense work. And then in 1999, I was appointed to the bench, the, which is the circuit court for Baltimore City. And I served for 21 years until December of 2019 when I retired. As a result of my tenure there, um, I became the chief judge of that court, which is, uh, it, for me, was an honor, but also a historic honor in that yes. no woman had ever served as the chief judge of that court. And that court has been around for hundreds of years. So it was um, uh, somewhat amazing to me that I would uh, remain there long enough to be able to be the chief judge. And now I'm retired. I um, kicked my, my shoes off and took off my robe and decided I would sit. And it came at a time when the pandemic started and everyone was sitting at home. And I spent the first year trying to decide um, what I wanted to do and that what was not legal. In other words, I'd spent all those years really submerged in the law. And there were other things that I really had not had an opportunity to do because I just didn't have time. I love art and history. Um, I always have liked uh, working with the youth in our community. I was doing that as a judge, but now I had more time to do that. Mm. And then my uh, daughter and son-in-law blessed me with a grandbaby. So I have to throw that in there. Yes, um, yes. I have time to spend with her as well. So in a nutshell, um, those are the types of things that I've focused on. And I can tell you more about them if you're interested. But um, if you notice, I didn't say I was returning as a visiting judge. I right. didn't say I was practicing law. Um, I could, but I choose not to. Right. Exactly. Hey, you have served your time. You have served the government well. You've served the people well, and you deserve to take a break and do exactly what you're doing now, which is whatever you want to do. That is exactly <laughs> right. Um, I have I, I, uh, been involved in politics. Uh, that's something that I could not do as a judge, and I could not do as a federal prosecutor. So we have restrictions, um, ethical constraints when you hold those right. types of jobs. And so for the first time, I could put signs on my front lawn for oh, whatever goodness. political office I was supporting. And um, I could work on campaigns. And I chose to work on uh, the campaign of Ivan Bates, who was running for state's attorney for Baltimore City. So I, yes. I uh, took a step in that direction. Awesome. So you are still in Baltimore City and, and actively doing things there. Absolutely. I haven't moved, live in the same house. I've lived for almost 25 years and uh, I'm still involved in my community. Um, we have organizations that do a lot of mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw as a judge that we 
don't give back to our community. I think all our young people need to see us, um, that there are alternatives to some of the negative um, influences that they have. I don't think they see enough um, professionals. They, you know, there's an old saying, you know, uh, to those that much is give, has been given, um, much is owed. And I say much is owed, I've, I've changed that saying a little bit because I think you do owe your community a return to working with them when you've been given and granted so much from the community. I also think that when you don't take the time to share your talents and your skills and your viewpoint with the people you serve, then they don't see you and they start to think that you don't care. And that affects trust. You gotta remember those same youth grow up to be um, citizens who are paying their taxes and vote. And when they vote, they go on the rolls to be jurors yes. and witnesses. And if you're not as a, as a political person, as a servant of the community, as a professional, if you're not giving back to your community where the youth can see you, then they see the negative influences. Mm. It's no surprise that they start to think that that's what um, they should be doing. They should be involved in some of the negative things that they often see. I went to public schools. Um, I'm a product of public schools. So when someone says, well, you have to go to private school. Well, I went to public school for elementary school and all through high school. Uh, I went to the University of Maryland undergrad and I went to the University of Maryland law school. So I am a public servant, was a public servant, spent a career in public service, and then I retired. There is a way that you can give back to your community from service, but there's also a way that you can take your extra time mm -hmm. and be a blessing and guide the youth towards careers in the law or careers in anything else um, or making wise choices, staying in school and things like that. Um, I'm continuing to do those types of things while retired. That's awesome. That is, a, and you know, and I hear it really does come full circle, right? Being able to give back and pour back into them. And I mean, I was getting ready to ask you, and I think I already know a part of, at least a piece of the answer to this question. What is it that you're really passionate about? I hear you talking about the youth and giving back. So like I said, I already heard a little of it, but I want to hear from you. What is it that you're really passionate about? Well, I, I think that um, one of the influences that I provide to the youth in our, our community, especially in Baltimore, mm -hmm. is to represent an alternative to what they may see on the street corner. That's not a positive. I said this already, but I think that um, as a judge and as a lawyer, I look around, I looked around at my colleagues and most of them were associating with each other. They were involved in judicial committees or conferences or seminars, or they were on um, legal committees or projects. They're working with the Bar Association. But as I traveled around the schools and um, grassroots community organizations that mentor kids, I didn't see a lot of my colleagues. Mm. And I would try my best to draw them in and say, hey, 
spend some of your time with the youth. I know you have a family and I know you have kids, but take some of your time and devote it to the community. Yes. Now that I'm retired, um, notice I said, I'm not practicing law yeah. and I'm not going back as a retired judge. But I did not say that I've stopped mentoring. Yeah. I'm involved in mentoring organizations. I still go to the schools. There's an organization called Stop the Mothers from Crying. And we um, go into the schools and talk to kids who have been victims of trauma, traumatic circumstances that have happened in their homes where maybe a relative, a mother, a father, a sister or brother, uh, a cousin, a good friend has been murdered. And these are kids that are in school and they are suffering. They're traumatized. And we go in and talk to them about good choices, about positive influences like staying in school and staying away from drugs and the kinds of things that you would expect us to do. But we do it live and in person. We're not preaching at them from on high, but we literally are showing up in their classroom and talking to them and sharing with them and encouraging them to vent some of their frustration, um, showing them by our presence that it's possible. You know, I went to this you know, elementary school, that's the one you're going to, or that's a, another one you've heard of, or I went to this high school, you know that high school, mm -hmm. you could go there. You know, I, this is the school I attended. So it really makes it real to them that you're standing in front of them as a live person. I think that's important. And I've spent um, a lot of my free time as a uh, retiree doing that. I get, I, I don't know, there are days that I come out of the schools. I'm not sure if I got more from the kids than they got from me. You know, <laughs> I walk out, maybe I walked in with, you know, a, a regular face and I come out with a big smile. And I said, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be there helping them, but look what I got back in return. So yes, I'm passionate about working with the youth. Um, when I was on the bench, I did mock trials. We did um, the nursery rhymes. We did um, Goldilocks was on trial for breaking and entering the house of the three bears. And we did um, a, a, a trial of the three pigs for murdering the wolf, you know, the story yeah. where they look huffed and puffed and then the last house he comes down the, the chimney and into a scalding pot of water and he dies. Well, yeah. they were on trial and um, it was fun because the kids were the lawyers, the kids were the jurors, the adults were the witnesses. The kids, we had always had a, a, a co-judge, uh, so that was a, a young person. But what they learned about the court system was jury duty, um, unanimous verdicts. Um, when they had to do their opening statement, they had to do public speaking to convince the jurors. They had to ask questions of the witnesses. So there was a lot um, going on in terms of them learning uh, actual skills, but it also told them you could be the judge. You could be the clerk of the court and swear the witnesses in. You could be the, the uh, sheriff. You could make sure you go to jury duty. You could be the lawyer, but it encouraged them that to find that the courthouse was not necessarily a negative place mm -hmm. where maybe in their experience, in their family, going to court was a negative thing. Um, right. So that kind of thing. And I'm continuing to do those types of projects, working with community 
Um, and I keep talking about the kids um, and, you, you know, you see the smile, but yeah. I think that that's the most important thing that we as a community, as lawyers, as professionals can do for our young people right now is to be present in the community and active yeah. in the community where they can see us. Yes. They have something as an alternative to the negative um, things that they see on. Now I have to say on television too, um, cause you have the reality shows on television and um, I'm not really fond of them. Uh, I think they send some negative messages that are not um, helpful. Um, and uh, you know, not everyone lives in a huge mansion on a hill and drives, you know, a hundred fifty thousand dollar car. And if you start mm -hmm. sending the message that that's what everyone does, that sends a negative message in my in my mind because Absolutely. that's not real. Absolutely. So those yeah. are the types of things that I would say that um, really make me um, happy, and and I would be remiss if I didn't throw in my grandbaby. I, yeah. You know, you asked the question. I'm giving you an honest answer. I um, know. When I see her, and I think of all of the promise. Um, jokingly, I had a conversation. She's one, okay? She's only one. But I had a conversation <laughs> with her about the election of 2060 and how she was going to run for president. And so uh, I say that to you only to say, the sky is the limit. When we were kids, they said we could be anything. But yes. it wasn't until 2022 that I saw a black woman sworn in to the Supreme Court of the United States. I've been practicing law for 40 years. You tell me when I'm a young person, a kid of 10 years old, and I say, I wanna be a lawyer, and there are no lawyers that look like me around. There are no lawyers on television that look like me. And, and not only that, there are no judges that look like me. And then here I am at 65, and I it is only in you know 2022, that I see a Supreme Court justice who looks like me. That wow. that's a sad thing to say. However, when I'm talking to my grandbaby, I can tell her the sky is the limit. That there has been an African American president of the United States. That there has been um, a first lady who held herself and carried herself with um, such esteem and integrity that she's now got two books that people you know want her present. I can tell her there's a Supreme Court justice that looks like her because there really is. And that there are, um, you know, um, astronauts that look like her. And I can go through the list of things that weren't available to me when wow. I was 10 years old. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I see that glisten in your eye when you talk about your grandbaby. So, yeah, you're, you're a real proud grandma. <laughs> I am. I, I, you know, I, 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 it took me till 65. I told my daughter, you know, anytime now, you know, you right. want to do this. <laughs> I know I told you to wait to have kids, but you right. know, anytime so now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let me ask you this. Now, when we were talking, setting up our interview, you know, I will say, as we all know, you, your entire life has truly been one of, of perseverance, you know, and I heard that some when we spoke earlier. You're a true history maker. You know, you've endured many trials along the way. 
And I just want to know from you when, what is it that you feel was really kind of the cost of you getting to where you are? What were some of the sacrifices that you had to make in order to get to where you are? Well, well, first I have to say that when I told my parents that I wanted to be a lawyer, I was about nine or 10. Uh, I was a Perry Mason kid. You know, it was black and white TV back then. Yes. And Perry Mason was on and anytime a criminal or a bad guy committed a crime, he was the one to get to the root of the matter. And for whatever reason, he always got the bad guy to admit the guilt while on the witness stand. I thought it was amazing. And he walked <laughs> around with this big legal book called the Corpus Juris Secundum. And it, it was all about truth and justice in the American way. And I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. What I also bought into was the idea that I could have it all, that my father was encouraging me to go into a field and there weren't people that looked like me. It was predominantly white male lawyers that were in, that I would see. And, and, but he was encouraging me and saying, your gender, your race doesn't matter. You can be whatever you want to be with an education. My mother, who was a nurse, um, and she had a career, and but she also had a family, and she was raising us. And my dad had was a teacher, and then he became an administrator. So the message was, you can have it all. Yes. And I turned on the television, and there's Gloria Stanham, and she's saying, ladies, you can have it all. Um, and so I bought into, I'm going to have it all. I'm going to have a career. I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have it all. And it wasn't true. The sacrifices that had to be made back then often caused women to have to choose between having the family and having the career. If they pressed, they were ostracized on occasion because you weren't a good mother if you weren't staying home with your children. Um, what's wrong with you that you're not satisfied with having a family at home? Why do you need to work? And why are you here? Aren't you neglecting your family if you are in the workplace? And, and oh, by the way, when you have to take your child to the doctor and you also are in the middle of a trial, no from the judge, I'm not going to start an hour or two later so you can take your kid to the doctor because your child has 104 temperature. You need to make the choice. What is it going to be? Are you going to be a lawyer, a litigator, or are you going to be a wife and a mother? You can't have both. And no, I won't call you by your hyphenated name. Pick which name do you want? You can't have it hyphenated. We want you to choose. And no, I'm not going to. And yes, I, I mean, it was a, a story that was fed to me that I bought, but I quickly saw the choices that I was going to have to make. Now, mm -hmm. things have changed. You know, back when I started, we didn't have uh, state-ordered maternity leave, parental leave, um, it wasn't acceptable to bring your children to the office. I mean, you know, work from home? You got to be kidding me. We didn't have all of that. 
you know, got to remember, we were still using pay phones. You had to right. have <laughs> or a quarter yeah. in your wallet. We didn't have cell phones. Um, and this Zoom that we're doing right now, well, that wasn't even oh. a thing back then. But the point I'm trying to make is, so consider the women who were coming through during the women's movement, during the civil rights movement, and wanted to have everything that was being offered to others, mm. wanted to be able to have a career and have a family and be able to be accepted on the quality of the work they did every day, not on whether or not they were married and the firm is afraid to hire you for fear you're going to get pregnant and leave. Because we all know that if you get pregnant, you're not going to stay at work. We believe you're going to get pregnant and leave to raise your family. Enter Wanda. I get pregnant. I'm in a big law firm. And I say, oh, no, <laughs> I'm going to work. I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to work right up to when the baby's born. And then after the baby's born, I'm going to make arrangements for childcare and I'm coming back to work. And that was not something that was expected of me. And I can go through the list of things. It's far too many items for me to run down the um, sacrifices that had to be but it um, suffices to say that they were um, deep and I am happy that those scars are now healing, but I'm even more happy that the community and society has changed in such a way that women in the workplace is more acceptable and that provisions have been made for women to be able to work and have a family and more importantly that it's more acceptable for men to take off time yes. to be a presence in their the lives of their children and in their families um so those are a few of the sacrifices but i mean i only talked about from a gender perspective i didn't even get into as an african-american woman you know walking in the room and being the one and only in the room one and only woman in the room, one and only African-American in the room. And now, as my ex-husband told me one day, I said, and it was your meeting. You, he said, <laughs> it was your meeting. Did you, right. did you notice that you were running a meeting and you were the only woman in the room and you and I were the only African-Americans in the room and everyone else was white male, but wow. it was your meeting. And I said, you know what, if I focused on my race and my gender, every time I started a meeting, I'd never get anything done. Exactly. And I said, so you work hard, you establish yourself. And in instances like that, sometimes the establishment means you sacrifice to be the best that you're able to be and wow. force them to come to you, even exactly. when they really don't want to. When they don't want to, oh my goodness, wow. Yeah, the sacrifices were, were just vast. And I know, I know just in, in hearing what you've given, this is truly just the top of the, the crust, so to speak. Definitely not all of them at all. 
And you know, we're talking reinvention. That's what this whole project is about. And, and I hear reinvention throughout this entire story, throughout everything that you've been communicating with me about here. Did it really take some reinventing to get the things done that you needed to get done? Those sacrifices sound like there was a whole lot of reinventing going on in there. It's, <laughs> it's funny you use the word reinvention because when we talked earlier, Mm -hmm. I had to think about what you meant by reinvention. My father considered me, he said, a, a locomotive on a locomotive track. He said, you, you had a goal and you headed for it. You never went off on one side or you never took a shortcut on the other. You just headed down the road. What I passed along the way, what I passed up along the way, to stay on the track is how I view my life. I don't see myself going off on a side road and then reinventing myself to come back. I see myself as always being in the same place, headed in the same direction. And that as I went along, there were things that I missed out on. Mm. I always wanted to have a loving family relationship, I never expected to be divorced. I never expected to be a single parent. Did I reinvent myself? Yeah, because I went from being married to being a single parent. Mm -hmm. But the career stayed on the track. I just had to figure out how to be on that track mm -hmm. as a single parent. How do you get to court? when you have a child who has 104 temperature and you got to take her to the doctor, how do you do that? On the track, you find backup, you find helpers, you hire people to take care of your child when you can't be present. You don't want a, a latchkey child. That means you're going to have to find someone to pick her up at the end of the day, to stay mm -hmm. with her until you're able to be there. I had a bedroll under my desk when I was in the U S attorney's office. Because when I would have nighttime duty, there was no one at two or three o'clock in the morning to take Whitney and I had to take her with me, but she's sleeping. So the bedroll had all sorts of treats in there and toys and flashlight and things for her to play with under my desk while I talked to the agent about the search and seizure warrant that he had to do at two o'clock in the morning or whatever. You want to call that reinvention? Well, that's the single parent. Right. I can't leave this six-year-old home alone. I got to take her with me. So um, I found ways to stay on that track and remain true to my profession. Um, one of my marriages, my husband uh, was promoted and he went to the West Coast and I was on the East Coast. In order to follow him, I would have to leave the job where I was one of, I think, six or eight African-American women in positions of power in the U.S. Attorney's Office nationally. Mm. So it didn't, there was no uh, going and following him unless I was going to basically quit the job. Right. But I had worked so hard to be where I was. So here I have this loving relationship that I really want and this wonderful career that I really want. And I have to make that choice. 
Um, I wanted to say to Gloria and the crew that said, you know, during the feminist movement, movement, you can have everything. And I was like, no, you can't because there's some hard choices you have to make. And they may not be those choices that will allow you to have both. Wow. I don't regret my choices. I, I believe that the Lord ordered my steps. I know I was at places and times where I helped people whether it was in the courtroom or in the community, whether it was as a result of my ability to let someone out of jail or put them on a special program or, or expunge their record, clear their record. I knew that I was there to encourage my daughter that you can um, have everything now because mm -hmm. we sacrificed during the 60s and the 70s and the 80s to enable the community to see that women have a right to have careers and family. So mm -hmm. now you, Whitney, can have career and family because we built those bridges. We built those bridges for you to cross. Had I not made that sacrifice and shown up every day in the workplace to be a valuable asset to the law firm or to the bench, or to the community, or to the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office. Query whether or not my value would not have been seen in the same way, and perhaps those laws would not have been passed in order to have women to be able to have that role in our society. And you know, I'm still looking for the first female president of the United yeah. States. You know, yeah. we're getting close. We're close. <laughs> we're we're getting close. close. <laughs> you know, but. Um, so if that helps you understand that um, absolutely, those are the types of sacrifices that I believe I had. And those are the types of sacrifices that I believe I was left with, but I don't regret the choices. And I think there are so many other women who mm -hmm. made these sacrifices, which have enabled the generation that we have now not to have to make some of those hard choices. Because they can have a child and they can take a leave for two or three months um, yeah. and they can, their husbands or their spouses um, or their significant others can also do the same thing. And yes. um, it, it, is a, it is a pleasure to see that option available to my daughter uh, upon the birth of, of my grandbaby. Her yeah. husband stayed home for three months with her. And I was amazed. I was like, wow, yeah. your job is going to let you do that? And he's like, Yes. Yes. This is how far we've come. Oh my goodness. But we still have so far to go, right? We still have a ways to go. And, you know, that is why we're doing projects like this. I'm doing projects like this so that we can keep momentum going and show people um, who have successfully done things and reinvented and changed things and made things work so that we can progress in the way that we have. So one last question I'll ask you is, what advice do you have for the woman out there who really kind of needs to make a change, who needs to change the way that her life is going? She needs to change the trajectory. She may need to reinvent in some type of way. What advice do you have for someone like that who's trying to make a change either personally and or professionally? First and foremost, to your own self be true. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. I was a better mother. I believe that because I worked. Mm -hmm. The job I had um, was precious to me. It provided me an outlaw, uh, outlet um, for, for thinking and managing and impacting my community in a positive way, such that I came home with a feeling of pride and self-satisfaction in having done a good job that day. And that meant that I brought home a Wanda that was a great mom because of those things. So be true to yourself first. Yes. Not every person finds joy in working. Some people find your joy in raising a family. That's mm -hmm. that's what they do. That's what they do best. And that's their joy. Do it. Yes. Work from home if you can. And if you can't figure a way to work from home, but be true to yourself first. What is it that makes you most happy? because then you will be a happy mother, you will be a happy partner, you'll be a happy person. Yes. Secondly, I believe in prayer. Absolutely. When all else fails, the Lord is on your side, who shall you fear? Who are you gonna say I can't to when you have talked to the Lord and the Lord has heard you and has shown the way? Absolutely. I believe in prayer. I just do. I think that when all else fails, you get on your knees or you lay, you know, straddle across the floor or however works for you. And yeah. you ask the Lord for guidance. And that's where the doors will open and the messages will be there for you. And they will send you in directions that you may not have expected or bring people into your life that will help you accomplish the goals that you have set for yourself. So I think that's the second thing is, and I, when I say pray, I mean, whatever works for you. Some people, you know, I'm not suggesting what type of religion you might have for others that really don't believe in a higher being meditation, mm. get quiet with yourself mm -hmm. and think about what things bring you joy. Um, so those are the two things. And then I, last but not least, always be willing to learn. Mm. Learn about yourself, learn about your world. Um, we have computers now. It, turn on a, a, a Google, um, a TED Talk. Just learn something, open a book. And if you don't want to read it, we've got audiobooks. Right. <laughs> Find a way to learn something new. Um, if you're a TV person, my goodness, there is stuff other than HBO. I mean, we've got other shows that you can learn, History Channel, Discovery Channel. Don't be afraid to learn something new and experience something outside of what you would consider your wheelhouse. Expand your mind. For all you know, you might discover something unexpected. Yeah. At 64, I got uh, scuba lessons. I went down to the Virgin Islands and decided I was going to learn how to scuba dive. Yeah. And it was beautiful under the water. Uh -huh. um, someone said, well, but you know, you're too old. I'm like, no, I'm not too old to learn something new. That's At so 50, cool. I decided I wanted a new sport, something I could do by myself. I learned to fence. People yeah. said, 
what? I said, well, you know, I used to run. That's not a good idea, you know, as I get older. Um, I used to play basketball. Well, that's out. Volleyball. But I learned defense. It requires balance. It requires my attention. I have to focus. I think about what I'm doing, my movements. All I'm saying is it's never too late to learn something new, either about yourself, about your life, or to set a goal and start off on a new career. Absolutely. Oh, this has just been wonderful. I love what you said about being able to find somebody who's going to be able to help you along the way. And I have to thank you because you are that somebody. You have definitely been a history maker and you surely are one who has poured back. You've given back and you're helping to pull others along the way. And I thank you so much for that. Well, I appreciate this. And, you know, every now and then um, as a retiree, I've only been retired three years. You look back on your life and you say, did I make a difference? Yes. You know, when you're doing it, you think you're doing so much, right? But right. after you sat down and years have gone by, did it matter? Did what I did, did the sacrifice that I made matter yes. to anyone? And, and in my life, I just need one. You know, I just right. need one person to stop me. Like someone stopped me in the train station. I was headed to New York to see uh, uh, Tina, you know, the musical. Yeah. And my, you know, this was one of my girlfriends and we were getting ready to go. And this guy walks up to me and says, you're Judge Hearn. And mm -hmm. I was like, uh-oh, what, you know, <laughs> never know. You know, I've sent a whole lot of people to jail too. You right. know? And um, <laughs> he said, I want to thank you. He, he said, you gave me a second chance. He said, I'm about to catch a train to Philadelphia. And the reason is I have, I have businesses in Philadelphia and in Baltimore. I travel back and forth on the train. He said, but you told me I had a choice, go back to school or go to jail. And he said, and I kept going to school. And he said, and I got a job, you encouraged me. And then he said, you wiped my record clean. You, you, mm. you allowed me to have a, we call it in Maryland, probation before judgment. Yes. He said, you wiped my record clean so that I could start a new life and a career. And he says, and you, knew, you may never remember, you may not remember me. He said, but I can't ever forget you. I, that's all I needed. That one, you know, that's all you need is one because that means that day he was supposed to be in my courtroom. Exactly. That day the Lord had sent me to do something to give him an opportunity to, as you say, reinvent himself. Yes. And he took it and ran with it. And so if that's what I was supposed to do in my life is to be that person that enters someone's life and helps, then, you know, when it's all said and done, I did what I was supposed to do. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What better way to end things you've done when it's all said and done. Trust me, you have done what you were here to do. You're doing it now, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I thank you, and I hope my words help someone, and they will they're able to use them in some way to encourage, um, you know, folks to not give up and to keep trying. Like I said, I'm looking at my 66th birthday, and I'm not done yet. That's you know, right. I, I'm not done yet. 
That's right. I always say when I when I leave any audience that I'm before or when I coach, it is never ever too late to reinvent. Never, ever. So thank you so much again for being here today and for granting me this opportunity to interview you. Uh, I know again what you're sharing. And once I share with others, they are going to be richly blessed by it. So thank again, you. Thank you. Bye-bye now. All right. Bye-bye. Welcome to The Loft. Indeed, it was a pleasure to speak with Judge Wanda Keys Heard. And I know that she would encourage you, my listening audience, to go out and get savvy and get a great understanding of your history. In particular, get an understanding from the women who are considered trailblazers, women who made inroads that have enabled us to do some of the things that we're able to do right now. I will list a number of books in the comments section of this podcast, books that I recommend that you go out and take a look at to get a good history of women who have made a difference and consider yourself one of those women. Now, how do you make a difference? Encourage you to go out and find an avenue in which you can volunteer. Whatever skill set you have, I guarantee you that it can be used in a volunteer, in a volunteer capacity. Go out and find where you can make a difference. What else can you do? Go out and develop something that is going to help someone to get to the next level. If you're good at coaching, go coach. If you're good at teaching, go teach. If you're good at organization, find something that's going to help you to organize someone, to organize something. What I'm getting at is the women that I'm talking to over the next few podcasts really found their niche, identified what it is, and then were determined to make a difference. And some of the things that I just mentioned are ways in which you can make a difference too. And that's it. Okay, we've reached the end of the episode. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. As you catch the elevator down, if you feel so inclined, rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Remember, every day is a new opportunity and it's never too late to level up. Seven, two, three, three, three.